Welcome to Season 3. The You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast is an authentic space to talk about life in truth and love. This podcast has evolved, which is no surprise to me, because when you live authentically, you experience a lot of change. Thankfully, it's always a positive change, because when you ditch the coulds and shoulds and let God lead, the outcome is always beautiful. This podcast started as a resource for recovering perfectionists, but has expanded into a place for all to come and be themselves, share their struggles and their victories, giving God the glory along the way. Our world today suffers from an excessive amount of pressure on all sides that leave an individual feeling overwhelmed, burnt out, and eventually hopeless. My guests and myself have experienced all of these feelings at one time or another, which is why these stories and encouragements will inspire and uplift you. Hi friends, welcome to season three of the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast. Season three has something extra special just for you. Along with the interviews you love from my authentic guests, you will have the opportunity to listen to the new free audio version of my newest book, The Relevant Old Testament, Illuminating Lessons from Imperfect People. I was inspired to create this audio version for those who want to listen during their commute or while doing the dishes. It is still recommended to sit down when you get a chance and go through this Bible study book as it involves a lot of one-on-one writing time with God. But I believe you will find this audio version helpful as you get started. Each chapter will be recorded as its own episode. Please feel free to share the listening links with your friends. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Inside today's podcast, I'm welcoming back Katie McConnell because it seemed our conversation on normalizing mental health in the church was not over yet. So today we're taking the time to do that. Katie, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you for having me back. This is fantastic. Yes. So I know that through emails and Instagram messages, um, you were sending me some things uh, that you thought would be great uh, for this episode. And I agreed. So I'm wondering if you just want to kind of dive in. Well, I decided to narrow it down to five things. I'm sure there's a million things we could do, but that's overwhelming. So for my for my anxiety and ADD friends out there who want to help normalize neuroatypicalness in the church, five is a much more palatable. So let's start with number one, pray. And honestly, everything we do, we need to start it with prayer. The reason for this that is so important is praying helps to kind of operate from our why. Why do we want to do this to start with? And that it keeps us from doing the whole getting caught up in the tainted perspective of bitterness and frustration and resentment and then pride and retaliation. Mm-hmm. When we feel slighted and we feel hurt, it's easy to want to retaliate with passive aggressive or come from a place where it's not going to be helpful and prayer keeps us focused on why do we want to do this and that is because the love of God is for everybody and we are a part of the body of Christ and as a part of the body we are a part of the body and the body doesn't attack itself (laughs) so Mm -hmm. 
start with prayer so that we can continue to be the hands and feet of God. Um, so that's number one. Number two is don't go it alone. I mean, in almost anything, we don't need to go it alone. Unless you're going to the bathroom, don't go it alone. <laughs> I tried to come up with a word and we had talked about it yesterday, but kind of a one instead of, I never liked using the word uh, being a Karen because I know so many amazing Karens and I can't mm -hmm. imagine somebody um, weaponizing my name. So it's like, Lord, what is a way that we can kind of describe that desire to, um, in a negative way to stand up for something that we believe in and it's vigilante syndrome. So hired mm. to start being a vigilante. And when I think of a vigilante, it's somebody who's going at something in their own power, in their own mind, all by themselves. And to me, that is just a recipe for negative outcomes. It's not going to be positive. And so like we talked about the accountability of the Holy Spirit through prayer, having accountability in friends who know where you're coming from, who are also like-minded to represent the neuroatypical community, that helps. And also, um, when we are dealing with things like bipolar or anxiety or depression, it can come in waves and it can hit us unexpectedly. So when we are prepared to do something, um, whether it's just go to a Bible study or church on Sunday morning, or if we're even in a position like this, where we're going to do a podcast or write a blog or lead a study, if we are not in our right mind, having a supportive, loving friend alongside us to say, Hey, I see that you're off today. Is there something I can do to help you? Mm -hmm. Um, or Hey, so that Bible study we had just now, some of your words came out maybe a little harsh or however you have in a friendship that can be there to support you and encourage you and be like-minded. So don't, you don't. Know, I wanted to say off of that, because you've already said so many good things. And I was like, oh yeah, I should probably um, chime in here. Prayer, it really is such a simple first step, but so powerful because of, <laughs> of the way that it can set you up in the mindset right. of like, okay, wait, I'm talking to God. What is God for? Is he for me being vengeful and manipulating and, um, you know, all those things that you were saying, um, like, I was like, yeah, that kind of puts you in the right mindset to start. And then the friends, um, as you were talking about having good support system and good friends to, um, kind of look out for you when, when you're unexpectedly like, oh my gosh, I'm depressed right now, you know, and it's not like you plan to be depressed. Um, and I, I was thinking I, the key right there that I felt like I needed to address is that if we are not honest in our friendships, then we can't have that. We can't have that support system. It can't be surfacey fake friendships. You know what I mean? Oh, Lee, that's not helpful. And, and I, I say that because I feel like, um, over, I don't know, the past 15 years or so, 
um, we have really pulled away a lot from authenticity. We've really mm. pulled away a lot from that more so than just general, you know, defense mechanisms. Like it's more because we can do things online and, you know, we can send texts instead of actually calling someone or meeting someone face to face. And I'm not trashing any tech stuff because I use it every day. So I'm right. not saying that, but what I am saying is that I've noticed that people kind of recoil. They put up a facade and then they're upset that they don't have support. Right. <laughs> and it's like, well, but nobody knows we have to be willing to share our story with people. We have to be willing to be vulnerable. And even if we're the first ones, like that's why I'm all about it. Um, and you know, just talking to me, like, I'm just, here I am. I'm just going to say what I'm saying. You know, um, I've, I've let that be unleashed even more so in the hopes that other people will be vulnerable too and authentic too and invite them into that. And I have had friends be like, oh my goodness, like you, you've actually helped me to mm -hmm. open up because you're so willing to open up. I feel like, oh, well, if she can do it, I can do it, you know? And that makes me happy because that's where we're going to find those friendships when we're authentic about who we are and we're vulnerable, um, even though, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but guess what? The only way we're going to get help is if we're willing to be vulnerable. So, oh um, yeah. Yeah. You know, you're absolutely right. I know as you're talking, I'm remembering an incident I had with a friend and this was a friend that was one of those that God, I knew when she came into my life, God was like, here, this friend is for you for a purpose. And she and I were talking one day about a Bible study we were in together. And I was so excited about this Bible study and helping the leader um, represent her materials. And my friend is like, you talk a lot. You talk too much and you take space away from other people sharing. And that was so hard to hear. I thought I was doing this really good job and it took me aback and I wanted to I wanted to vindicate myself. I wanted to defend myself. In that moment, I was able to stop and sit back and pray about like, well, where is she coming from? And, and are you really, Katie? Are you really doing that? Are you really giving other people space to share also? And yesterday I was listening to, I think it was Louis Giglio. And I don't even know if that's how he pronounces his last name. Sounds, sounds right to me. <laughs> okay. And he was saying about, um, a conflict he had with somebody and he at the end of it he he was right it turned out that he was right in this argument and he was sharing it with a friend that he was thankful and he was excited he was the right one and his um friend told him don't give satan a seat at your table and if your goal is to be right then maybe it's not the right goal i mean our goal god's goal is to love and heal and grace and family and an eternal relationship. It's not to be right. Right. It's not an argument. And what was it? There's a scripture that it, it reminds us that the, our enemy isn't, isn't humans. We all are born with a sin nature and Jesus is aware of that. He's already paid that sacrifice. 
So our, our friends are not the enemy. And like we were saying earlier, we're a part of the body of Christ and the body doesn't attack itself. So, yeah. Well, you know, I, I want to speak again to the whole, uh, the friends that are telling you, you talk too much or, you know, or like take too much time. Uh And I do, I do, I do talk a lot. Because I, I like, it felt, sounded like you were talking about me. No, um, I have that. And I admit it all the time. Like, oh yeah, I love to talk. I do. Um, I'm an expressive person and I, I really do like to talk, but, um, I'm also very hype. Like I'm very aware of that. And so, um, I, I try and check myself a lot. Like every time I'm with friends, I'm like, okay, are you letting other people talk enough? (laughs) Right. And I, and I'm, I'm constantly trying to make sure I'm okay. Um, and I, and it's, it's created sort of a complex where I, where I feel like, oh, I'm not allowed to, I talk too much. So I just need to be quiet and whatever. And, um, so I, but I'm, I'm open with my friends about it and I'll be like, I'm sorry. Am I talking too much? I'm so sorry. I want to hear what you have to say, you know? And, um, most of the time, well, actually all the times, but, um, (laughs) this one specific friend is like, you do not talk too much. I love it. I, I enjoy it. And, um, but I still feel like very, like I have a complex about it. Like I'm so worried that I'm I'm, I'm just sharing too many things and they're just sitting there going, Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm being bombarded, you know, but, um, I know that because of that little fear inside of me, I absolutely ask more questions. Like I ask really like deep diving questions to my friends and they're kind of like, Whoa, uh, ask like too deep, too deep. (laughs) Yeah. But, but it's like, it's kind of what's come out of the whole, Oh, you talk too much. So for me, I find that it's, it's something God gave me Mm -hmm. and it is a good thing. And I just need to make sure that I'm not just trying to be right or I'm not trying to hog, you know, attention or whatever, but it's just a genuine sharing. Right. So I think that makes a difference too. Like, where are you coming from? You mm-hmm. know, and, and a lot of people um, don't really stop and pause and take inventory. Um, like that's just like not being self-aware just because that takes too much time. Right. We don't even think about it. Yeah, but I think if we do do that, you're going to see such positive changes. And that's purposeful um, evaluation and having that, again, that prayer and the friend that's going to create a purposeful evaluation. That's not the keeping you awake at two o'clock in the morning, overanalyzing conversations. It's that's the unhealthy side. Mm -hmm. I do. I'm awake at two o'clock recounting conversations I had like 10 years ago. So that's the unhealthy side, but having friends you can have honest relationships with, who can share with you that you can pray with, who will constantly lead you back to scripture and your why and to pray with you. So that's, that's really important. Those are, those are two really good foundation. Cause if you're going to build a ministry or a passion on advocating really for anything it has to be built on a foundation of 
like a solid one and that's in prayer it has to be in who you are in christ yes and so it's it's building that foundation first before you start building on top of that absolutely and i i would say you know um the foundation like our foundation of truth is the bible it is god's mm-hmm. word so like if your whatever you're advocating for is going against something in god's word and in what god wants then yeah that's that's not a good place to build right but mm-hmm. um if you know you're building on that foundation of truth in christ yeah absolutely i think that's a good place to start it is so yeah. the building up so once you have that um meet with the pastor mm-hmm. or important leaders in the church i think that's the first when you want to make sure that your personal church because where are you going to start let's start at home so i could go uh my number three was go to the pastor meet him for lunch or coffee or you know meet him in his office or say hey why don't we meet in the foyer and sit on the couch like your church has that or whatever or go for a walk around the building and have a conversation about you know where does he stand on this topic and how does he feel about oh you know diagnosis you know that's a lot of people don't think you should have a diagnosis you know how does he feel about that or she feel about that and medication and therapy and um having open conversations about anxiety and depression and Hmm. um especially having pretty severe if you have it how do how does your church leadership feel about especially severe um disorders like having schizophrenia or manic bipolar episodes or psychosis you know those are things now I want to caution I say that and that's a move forward that's an actual action you can do moving forward and out Mm -hmm. but again I want to step back and say uh compassion and grace is my number four so it's kind of a dance it's like you know you set your foundation you go out and then step back again in number four of compassion and grace the reason I say that is because weaponizing a pastor's words against him in future conversations is something that pastors are very aware of. If he says, well, this is how I feel about that. And then you go out later and say, well, pastor said A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation. I went through this. I had a conversation with a pastor several years ago about a, a, you know, a high, um, a a subject. And I wanted to know where the church stood. My husband and I were leading Sunday school. I wanted to know where the church stood on this topic. It was a hot topic. And I wanted to make sure we were all united. We weren't saying something that went against what the church believed and other leadership. And he didn't answer me. He didn't tell me what he thought. He didn't give opinion. He didn't say, this is the church's stance. He didn't say anything about it. He was very just nothing. And it, at first I was like, that to me is, that's not okay. However, hindsight being as it is and taking time to think about it and, and talk like number two, to have the people I went to about it, Pastors experience people coming to them about hot topics saying, what do you think? And then coming back to it later. 
And so if my relationship with my pastor isn't already one that is one of integrity and humility and as a sister in Christ, then it might be a hard conversation to have, I guess. Mental health is a hot topic. And if I'm not going at it from a perspective of I'm here as a sister in Christ, I'm not here to use this against you. I just want to know where our church stands on this. Being honest about that. And I don't know any pastor that wouldn't want you to say that. Be like, I'm not trying to use your words against you. This is where I stand with mine, you know, because I deal with anxiety and depression and I use migraines because that just always plays into it and my ADHD, but you know, so that's, that's a, that's a important, that's my number four is, um, compassion and grace. Mm. And if you meet with the leader of the Sunday school or the head of the women's ministry or the head of missions ministry or anybody else in the church that has, um, any leadership position again, compassion and grace. So, and I think these are, I mean, just from the very beginning, these are very wise, uh, steps, you know, like, like I'm nodding my head thinking, yeah, yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, but I'm curious right now, as I'm picturing this, like what, what would you do if, um, you talk to your pastor and they, you were like, oh no, this is my stance. And it was completely different than yours. And they were very firm on it. And, you know, maybe they didn't allow you to do something or whatever. Then what would you do? Um, you know what? I, I went through this actually. Um, the experience I had was after I went and got my diagnosis, I, I was diagnosed with ADD. I was diagnosed in third grade, but I didn't know that until I graduated from college. My mom told me because she didn't want me to be like, oh, well, I have ADHD. That's why I'm like this and use it as an excuse, I guess. I don't, 80s were a totally different time. Mm-hmm. 80s, 90s, different than 2021. So I was so excited. I got diagnosed. I went straight to one of the women that I saw as a, a mentor in my church. And her immediate response was, you're not going to get medicine, are you? you're not going to go get medicated. And it was just this like, whoa, don't do that. And it took me back. Mm -hmm. So in response to, if you get a response, you're not happy with Mm -hmm. one pray number two, go to your support system and talk about it. Number, number three, pray again, Mm -hmm. but also, um, take time to pray for your leader maybe have another conversation with them again later. Um, on the one hand, everybody has different points of view. And I know for a lot of, um, our older brothers and sisters in Christ, the older generations, the world they grew up in is different. So Mm -hmm. having that grace as they come along in their awareness of mental health, you know, patience. Yeah have a pastor who is anti-diagnosis thinks ADHD is something that's made up and it's just some malarkey that somebody made up and drugs are all uh, medicine is a sin and you just need to pray more. And, you know, if, if it's not 
healthy for your own mental health and it's not promoting going back to our why if their attitude in dealing with neuroatypical people is not building up the body of Christ, it's not one of loving and compassion and grace, if it's one of judgment and rejection, as in anything, mm-hmm. then I, I think, and this is something I've done in my past, then consider a new church. And that's a hard conversation to go through um, with yourself, if you're married, if your spouse is on board or not. Um, yeah, that's a hard, and that that that's like that's another that's another podcast. Even. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one thing when you can have the joy of helping share. I, I remember talking to somebody about migraines and he thought migraines were just a headache, just a really bad headache. Like migraines are one of 35 different symptoms you can have of a migraine. It's a neurological disease. He had no idea. He just didn't know. And so had, oh my goodness, y'all. Um, if you can hear that dogs are barking, they're excited. Um, they, he knows he knows now, and he's a friend of mine, and we already have a good relationship of honesty and caring for each other. But um, that's hard. It's really hard when you get to the point where somebody in leadership, like a pastor. So that's, I, I think it's different for every person. That's hard. That's really Mm -hmm. hard. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so um, in kind of bringing mental health into the church and normalizing it and not making people feel weird about it, not making people feel wrong about it. Right. Um, cause I think that's, that's the vibe I've gotten forever is just like, Oh no, you're like, you're not allowed to be depressed. You're not allowed to be anxious. You're not see, it says, you're not, you know what I mean? And, um, mm-hmm. like, Oh, well, God will deliver you from that. It's like, okay, well, everybody's journey is different and there's plenty of people in the bible that had depression um you know and god (laughs) used them didn't he Mm -hmm. he still used them anyway because there's not this standard that we need to be as a person to be acceptable to god no standard No, it's, it's so weird because for someone like me to say that it's, it's weird, but I know it's true because look at all the different people that God did his work through. They're all different. They were not like, I, I don't think anybody was similar, you know, I mean, and Moses, Moses committed murder, (laughs) you know, like he killed a guy and then he ran away because he was scared and God was like, you're going to deliver my people. It's like, what? If Jesus is your savior, then you're going to change. God's going to change you. And that's true. And he does, he works in you and he's refining you and, um, your, your words and your deeds start lining up with him. You will still have afflictions. You will still have struggles, but 
but it doesn't mean you're not God's child because you have them. I have prayed that God would remove the thorn in my side. Mm-hmm. I have prayed that he would relocate my hip and he has not. Mm-hmm. I still have debilitating migraines. I still have debilitating anxiety. I still have ADD that makes me forget anything and everything I need to remember. But every time I get down and I'm in a dark place and my anxiety is lying to me and my depression is lying to me and my migraines are lying to me and Mm -hmm. all the things, I hold on tighter to Jesus mm-hmm. and go back to his word and read about what he has for me, that he has, his thoughts are of peace and of not of evil and that he desires me to flourish and bear fruit and to be fresh and upright. I underline these words in his scripture to remind me. And when I come out of those episodes of darkness that feel dark and heavy to me. I am so much closer to God mm-hmm. than I was before. So while I wouldn't say I'm thankful for it, I am thankful that I have a God that is bigger than the wonky wiring in my brain. I know that I have friends who have COPD and congestive heart failure who are diabetic and God uses the weakness in the other parts of their bodies to also glorify himself, to bring them closer to him. For those who cannot walk with their physical legs can run in the Holy Spirit and the awareness of a eternal life with him. So it's just the brain is just another organ that feels, and I know it's kind of a thing that you hear all over the place, but it, it mean, it's meaningful to me because the neurons in my brain don't fire correctly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have heart palpitations because my heart isn't firing correctly, but I'm thankful for the God who created the people who know how to handle that. <laughs> whether it's medicine or a better diet or better exercise or a better environment or creating boundaries around my life to make sure that I can stay healthy and stable and thriving. Mm-hmm. And yes. sometimes it's making sure that you have boundaries around yourself or your family or your life. That means certain people don't get to have a seat at your table. Um, the best example I have is a picture of a ranch house. It's a house that has a fence around it. It has a front porch and it has a front door and you decide who gets to stand at that fence and talk to you over the fence, who gets to come sit on your front porch and have a conversation with you there and Mm -hmm. who gets in your house and have that kind of relationship with you. And it's mm-hmm. about um, if, if the head of the women's ministry or whoever, the head of 
lawn care at my church has a very opposing view on mental health, can I handle that? Can I still love them and still exemplify a Holy Spirit filled life while living with anxiety and depression? Yes, I can. Mm So, um, yeah. And you know what you were saying? What if you can't? Well, we can't. Mm-hmm. There are still, um, I have somebody who I love in my life who thinks getting a diagnosis of ADHD is horrible. You should never do that to your children. Medicine is a, is not a good choice. I still love them, but I'm not the person that is going to convince them. And that yeah. has to be okay. Mm-hmm. So my number five was materials. Um, if you have any influence over the Sunday school material, the Bible study material, the book club material, or recommending books, choose authors who have a positive attitude towards mental health and neurodivergence or neuro yes. neurological diseases and disorders. Um, Peter, uh, Andrew Peterson was yes. one you did. Yes. It doesn't so have good. to be out mental health, but mm-hmm. if the author has a positive attitude towards the unfortunate intricacies of our brain and how they can sometimes malfunction. Helpful. Jenny Allen is one that I love to listen to because I deal, she deals with a lot of the same issues I have with anxiety and ADHD, although she's much more type A than I am. Um, Annie F downs, just the list goes on, find people who are going to have a positive attitude. Yes. And another way to bring more voices that others might be more willing to listen to. Will somebody listen to me? Maybe everybody is going to listen to me. I could not agree more because books, reading books, um, you know, whether it's about this topic or just like what you said, the author isn't necessarily writing about mental health. That's not the point of their book, but it's mentioned. Um, and it's, it's honest. I get so blessed and so encouraged and like, it just, it does something. It's like a release almost Mm -hmm. to hear that. Oh, somebody else that's a believer has these struggles like I do. And they're still okay. You know, like there's God doesn't reject them. And, um, I think it's really comforting, especially if you're in a church that maybe doesn't accept it very well, or just, you know, oh, that's not allowed. You can't get a diagnosis or bubble. That's really wrong or whatever. Right. So like, if you're not having a supportive church per se, those books, like books with authors that talk what, like you said, positively about it. Mm -hmm. Um, wow. I mean, I would call them life changers, honestly, like my life has been impacted so many times by authors, uh, which is why I admire them so much now. Like, like one. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because now, cause I never knew I was going to be writing books. I never knew that was going to happen. But now that I am, I'm in this whole other like author world and I'm like, oh my gosh, these really are my people. Like, you know, um, it takes (laughs) a lot. Writers are the best. (laughs) They are, they are the best. No, they're the best Uh, in my unbiased opinion. No, I love them because 
they, they connect far and wide with words, words that penetrate your heart and your mind and make you feel not alone, you know? Oh gosh. I just, I love it. And they put themselves out there. They're, they're putting themselves out there to be the great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's hard. Um, like it is hard to put your words out there knowing that some people are going to scrutinize them. Some people Mm -hmm. are going to attack you for them uh, and other people are going to thank you for them. So it's like, (laughs) it's not just like, Oh, lovely. I mean, it's, it's hard. (laughs) Yes. Um, hmm? Oh, I agree. You know what? That has happened on you. You share. And then on one hand, somebody's saying, Oh, don't share your dirty laundry, which Mm -hmm. is the thing that cracks me up from, um, my grandma used to say that to me. And then on the other hand, you have somebody saying, wow, I thought I was the only one. Thank you for sharing. Exactly. uh, It's a balance. (laughs) Exactly. And, um, back to before I, I feel like God has confirmed for me more than anything. What I am is a sharer. I'm a sharer. If I learn something, I'm going to share it. If you know, I'm struggling with something and God's brought me to the end of the tunnel. I'm going to share it, you know, uh, or if I read this amazing thing, I'm going to share it, uh, you know? And so one of my friends, the same friend was like, yeah, well, I think you're just a sharer. And like, yeah. that's good. We need sharers, you know? <laughs> yes. I err on the side of TMI as an old wives tale. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll probably overshare. And, and if something, if, if I have an embarrassing experience, I'm always excited to share that and make people laugh. So just, oh my goodness, not that I'm holding back either. So I love that about you. And I love that we share. (laughs) It's good. It's fun. You know, I like it. That's the five things I had was the pray, the don't go it alone, talk to your church leadership, have the open conversation and then be compassionate and graceful. And if you have control over it, choose authors and studies that promote the positive attitude towards mental health and neurotypical subjects. Yes. I, I'm so glad that we did this because I think um, those five tips are very helpful. Uh, I think they'll be a great resource for people and a great encouragement. So I really appreciate you doing that work and bringing it to us. I'm glad you had me. I'm glad to do this again. This is fun. (laughs) Yes, it is. So yeah, I really appreciate it. So thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. Hi friends. I'm so glad you've been enjoying the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast and wanted you to know that if you'd like to support and help share its uplifting message, you can leave a positive review on Apple or Spotify. To donate 99 cents, $4.99, or $9.99 a month, simply click the Anchor link in the notes of this show. Once you're on the Anchor homepage of the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast, click the middle button that says Support and select your amount and enter your info. It's quick and easy and will make a great impact on the lives of my family. Thanks for being with me today. 
Let's keep practicing saying no to perfect and yes to truth. Take care. Thank you.